Welcome to the Fortified Life Podcast, where we learn how to develop a dependency on Jesus in the marketplace. From the boardroom to the bathroom, God is with you. Here's our host, author, speaker, teacher, encourager, stewardship coach, and my husband, the man they call Mr. Fortified, Jason Davis. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Jason Davis, a.k.a. Mr. Fortify. We're back for another episode of the Fortified Life podcast. We are passionate about having conversation with business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, those of you called to corporate about integrating faith into the work that you do. And it's no different in today's conversation. And I've got to tell you, I'm very excited about this individual, uh, we'll, we'll touch we'll, we'll touch base a little bit later and talk about how we met one another. But he is a mentor for sure, and God has given him wisdom. Before I bring him on, let me introduce him to you. Henri Ward, with over thirty years' experience spanning various industries from manufacturing to high tech. His background is very deeply rooted in growing domestic and global businesses. Ward is currently Chief Operating Officer at B-Direct, the nation's first corporate board preparedness and board placement company, singularly focused on preparing and placing U.S. Black executives and Black entrepreneurs on paid corporate boards on the African continent. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Fortified Life, Henri Ward. Henri, what's going on? Jason, so great to be here with you. Absolutely. Uh, Henri, let me, I'm going to go back a little bit because I kind of teased it. So for those of you who, who don't know, we've got folks listening, Henri, that know both of us and how we've met, but uh, we know each other through CVMC, the Christian Businessmen's Connection, and Area Director John Posey. Uh, if you know how CVMC uh, Young Professional Cohort works, they have a uh, executive speaker uh, or sage, as we call them, come and share some life and business principles and uh, experiences they've had in their life. And Henri was just so phenomenal when he came to my group. And I told him that, man, I got to I gotta have him on the show. So here he is today. <laughs> Glad to be here, too. Absolutely. Well, Henri, let's talk a, a little bit about your professional experience. We know that you didn't wake up today and just being the chief operating officer of B-Direct. So kind of give us a little bit of, let's do a little time travel and tell everybody how you got here. Sure, absolutely. So um, I came on board with B-Direct and we actually started the ideation process for this business in November or December of 2020. And like you said, we're the first US-based but African-centric uh, corporate board preparedness um, and board search company. Prior to that, I actually spent um, the last 10 to 15 years of my professional career um, in technology companies, um, running uh, technology businesses as small as um, 12 to 25 million in revenue up to uh, $700 million in revenue um, on a global scale. My last role was general manager for a fintech company called Fiserv, F I 
S-E-R-V, Pfizer, uh, which does um, global payments. And um, I ran about a $100 million business inside of that company. Prior to that, I was uh, head of product management for the global consumer business for Equifax. So in that role, I had responsibility for U.S., Canada, U.K., Australia, and New Zealand. Um, prior to that, I was a global vice president for a company called Verant, in which we sold um, call center software. Mm. And that role, it was more global responsibility. So I had the Americas, Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia, and Pacific Rim as a part of my portfolio. And that was about a $700 million business. Spent um, the majority of my early career at um, GE, uh, the General Electric Company, and various businesses inside of GE. Started at uh, GE um, Aircraft Engine, now called GE Aerospace. Went over to GE Capital. And my last role, which is actually what moved me and my wife here to Atlanta, was taking a lean Six Sigma black belt role at um, GE Energy slash Power Systems. Those are the folks that provide um, gas and steam turbines that drive power plants. Wow. Henri, I can tell you that people are looking at that resume like, holy cow, <laughs> he's he's done quite a bit. <laughs> I noticed some themes, Henri. So leadership, for sure, is one with the positions that you've held. There's the technology through line as well and transition. So when you think about those three themes, what are some of the lessons that you've learned about leadership? And then we'll follow up on the technology side and the transition side. Yeah, one of the most critical things I learned about leadership, I learned early on. Um, I don't know how many people have ever done a 360 performance appraisal or not, but it's very humbling. Mm. And a 360 performance appraisal, my, my, my first leadership job was as a call center manager for uh, GE Capital. And I had a team of about 15 to 20 call center reps. And as a part of our um, as a part of our process, each manager had a 360-degree performance appraisal done. And a 360 is where you get appraised not just by your manager, but you also get appraised by your peers, and you also get appraised by your direct reports, um, you know, ergo the 360. And in that type of setting, you get a real sense that you're not exactly how high you think you might be. <laughs> most <laughs> most of us have a perception of ourselves as an, an eight or nine. And then when you get that feedback back and, you know, you see that you're coming in at about a five or six, it can be very humbling. And so um, one of the things that I, I think, I believe I talked about in the group um, that I, that you were in, that I presented to was one of the Jack Welsh themes who was, um, the former um, chairman of the board and CEO of GE, one of Jack Welsh's mantras was face reality as it is, not as it was or you wish it were. Mm. And from a leadership perspective, that holds very true for me. It's being able to look at a situation, 
in the cold light of day and assess where you are and, and where you need to be. And more importantly, being humble in that scenario, which is very difficult, you know, for, for most of us, right? Because um, most of us have very strong egos, whether we want to admit it or not. And um, as a part of that, many times we go in a direction that's not always the way that God wants us to go, but the way that we want to go. And in essence, we want God simply to um, affirm <laughs> where it is we want to go versus listening to where God wants us to go. So for me, that's that that was very important. Um, the humility of understanding that um, one, you have to be able to take feedback, and that's not something that all of us do very well either. Um, you have to be able to sit and not only self-assess, which is extremely important, but also be able to take feedback from others um, in terms of where you need to go and where you are at that point. Um, what was your the second um, part? So leadership was the first one. What was the second one? Yeah, technology. You've got yeah. a chance to interact with, I mean, working in fintech and you yeah. look at the where the world is and where it's going and the AIs. And so, Henri, in your opinion, some of the learnings, but also where do you where do you see things going in the tech landscape? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I've worked in fintech. I've worked in healthcare tech. Um, I actually started out, um, this may show my age a little bit. <laughs> so um, I actually started out my career as an application developer coding COBOL. Mm -hmm. So um, that was over 30 something years ago. And this is before uh, relational databases came into, um, came into being. And this is actually before um, client server um, architecture where you've got multiple servers that are connecting things. So I was actually programming on a mainframe computer. Mm, wow. <laughs> Good old so AS400. <laughs> uh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, in one of my roles, I actually supported um, an AS400. Um, uh, many, for, for those that don't know what an AS400 is, uh, again, this is before you had servers all over the place, and the AS400 was kind of a mid-range mainframe computer. It was the, the, the mini um, mainframe. So I, I started my career out um, in application development, actually met my wife. Uh, my wife was an application developer as well. We both, we both started our careers at GE on GE's corporate um, IT leadership program in which it was a two-year program that you rotated um, jobs every six months. And in addition to that, um, you actually went to classes um, every quarter. And that was um, uh, a plan in which GE would bring people from all around the globe. So it, it was a very um, select program the GE only hired 40 or 50 people globally on a yearly basis. And they would bring us from around the globe on a quarterly basis to take um, classes. And those classes were graded. And so you could literally flunk out of a job 
Mm -hmm. the, um, the first classes were technology classes. The first year was technology and the second year was, was leadership classes. But my career has spanned from actually um, getting a spec and having someone say, go code this, to actually leading a um, $100 million, $700 million uh, technology business in which we provided uh, software applications on a global basis. So, and those, for, for those who may or may not be in the technology space and the software space, um, there's a methodology called Agile Scrum, and it's, it's a software development methodology. And so I've worked for the last 10 years in an, in an Agile Scrum environment, um, leading product management teams, both technical product management and business product management, um, as well as leading kind of overall large technology businesses. On the question of where technology is going, it's really interesting because AI, I think, is taking us in spaces that um, we really do have to make sure that we are putting guardrails around, mm -hmm. which is why it's it, it's so important, the, the meeting with the technology leaders um, that happened, I think, a couple of months ago. Because if, if you think about this, you can have a scenario in which um, an AI application can put information out there that's not necessarily true, but that information then becomes the baseline for people making decisions. And then all other decisions are based on that baseline. That's a false baseline, mm. right? Wow. And so things can easily get out of hand. And also you have situations in which um, computer applications, now you have scenarios in which code can write code. As a matter of fact, um, Google had to shut down a, a research project several years ago because what they found was that the, this code, this AI code was writing other code in a language that humans could not decipher. Mm. And so here you get into these scenarios where it's really important. I mean, technology obviously is 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 there to help us move forward um, in terms of humanity, but we also have to make sure that we put guardrails on that. And one one last thing about technology, we also have to make sure that we don't build in biases into technology. Um, I will give you an example of that. Um, my wife and I were very fortunate um, right before the pandemic. So this was in 2019. We were very fortunate to be able to spend time in Europe. So we spent time in both London and Paris. We, we were staying in London and we took the train over to Paris. Um, when you come into the train station in Paris, everything is automated. So you take your passport, you put it into the card reader. There are biometrics on your passport now. Um, so the the reader reads the biometrics off of your passport. It matches that against what the camera is seeing in terms of the biometrics of you in person. And it decides if you are that person that's on your passport. So my wife happens to be um, about a shade or two darker than I am. And there were several young ladies who were also Americans. We didn't know them, but they were also Americans 
who were on the train with us. Um, most were my complexion, one or two were my wife's complexion. When I put my passport into the card reader and it read the biometrics on my passport and scanned it against the biometrics on the camera, it let me through. When my wife put her passport um, into the scanner and it read her biometrics, it gave her a false negative. Mm. Um, the two young ladies that were my complexion or lighter, it let them through. The young lady that was my wife's complexion, it gave her a false negative. Mm, okay. And so we have to be very um, mindful of when we're when we're creating applications, when we're creating software, that um, you know, I don't think it was anything when the application developers were developing the software. I don't think it was anything intentional. But their their test cases, their use cases for that software at that time didn't take into consideration people of darker skin. Mm. And so the um, you get a higher sense of false negatives because the use case that you're using doesn't take into consideration those aspects of of your population. So um, you know, I, I think technology, I, I think where we are right now, in terms of technology, we are still in the infancy range. I think if you look at where we're going to be um, 25, 50 years from now, you probably won't recognize um, the advancements because they're going to be so, um, so severely um, changed. And a lot of that is because of the aspect of quantum computing. Um, quantum computing is, is completely changing the game in terms of, 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 um, of how we look at computing as a whole and, and AI, um, and, you know, large language models are, are taking all of that into consideration. Sorry, this happens to be a passion of mine. No, no, that's very interesting. I, I read, tech stuff all the time on so i was i was geeking out a little bit hearing you <laughs> talk about that so listeners you didn't know you're going to get a little bit of a, a tech blog <laughs> a little bit of the the uh the last question Henri, coming out of that so leadership technology but transition you've held a number yeah. of roles and yeah. we know that to humans, they don't like change. We don't yeah. like change. So just talk about how uh, God has allowed you to navigate uh, changing roles, positions, and companies, because that's sometimes that's not easy. No, it's not. Um, and, and, and truly, it is um, something that has been definitely um, God-led and, and supported by the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that um, people have to be mindful of, particularly when they're changing um, um, positions, you can you can change, you can have two variables. Well, there, there there will always be two variables at play. One variable is industry, and the second variable is function. Hmm. Industry being, are you coming from a technology industry? Are you coming from healthcare? Are you coming from consumer packaged goods? Are you coming from financial services? Function being, are you coming from 
um, HR? Are you coming from marketing? Are you coming from engineering? Are you coming from product management? Are you coming from sales? When you talk about making career transitions, you can have a change in one or two, or in one of those variables, but it's extremely hard to change in two of those variables. For instance, you can go from a marketing role in a financial services company to let's say a marketing role in a technology company. So, but what stays the same is the function of your changing industry, right? You can go from a, um, um, it's, it's harder to change function, obviously, because the reality is to a hiring manager, you will always be what you always were, right? Mm -hmm. So if in your last role, you were a sales manager to the hiring manager, you're a sales manager, no, no matter if you call yourself a marketing person, right? So for me, it's been um, my ability to make those transitions has been able to have a very solid background from a functional perspective, whether that perspective was, uh, and it, it mainly has been, uh, product management. So being able to take those product management skills and transition them from um, a healthcare technology industry to a, um, a financial services industry, to a, a fintech industry, but still building on those product management skills. And, and there are two types of product management. There's technical product management, uh, and then there is what is called kind of business or P&L product management. And I've led and managed through both of those uh, types of organizations. And all of that, you know, has been, um, you know, God led, even when I didn't necessarily want it to be. I think um, a story that I, I shared with uh, with your group was I was in the process of um, leaving um, GE, that Lean Six Sigma Black Belt role. And I was um, trying to make inroads into McKesson. Uh, some people may know McKesson in terms of it being a um, distributor for the pharmaceutical industry. But at that time, McKesson had a $3 billion technology business in which they were providing application software to large hospitals. So um, I had been trying to get into McKesson for a long time, had had a, um, a person in the talent acquisition department who was kind of working on my behalf, you know, trying to get me in. I had sent her an email about a position that I thought I was perfect for and had not heard back from her. Um, and it had been three or four weeks. So I, I had quite frankly written written that position off. And basically I, I decided, I guess I had been pestering her too much and, and um, had kind of decided to kind of just let that, you know, let that rest. My mom at that time was having knee surgery in Cincinnati. And so I went back to Cincinnati to spend some time with her. And I had a conversation with her, you know, about kind of my frustration regarding what was going on with me really not being able to make inroads with McKesson. And of course, she gives me the um, typical mom answer, right? Well, if God has it for you, it's for you. 
right? I mean, that's that's the answer that we all hear. Mm-hmm. And of course, I didn't say this to her, but I'm thinking to myself, well, he better hurry up because I'm getting tired <laughs> of waiting. <laughs> now, here, and I, this goes back to that, that humility piece. Um, what I didn't realize while I'm saying what God is not doing, what I didn't realize is when I got back home, there was an email waiting for me from this recruiter um, apologizing for um, not getting back to me and saying that she had been on the road. You know, she she was doing college recruiting at that time for McKesson. She said that I, I did receive your email. I passed it on to the recruiter that is responsible for this role. And my hope is that she will get in contact with you. So that was on a Thursday. That next Monday, I got a call from the recruiter, which led to a series of interviews, which led to that job at McKesson. Mm -hmm. I say all that to say, while I'm in Cincinnati saying what God is not doing, God is working (laughs) on my behalf, right? So we 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 just have to be careful about that and um, and understand that when we approach things with the right mindset, that God will always be working uh, on our behalf, even when we don't see it. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. Mm. That's good, uh, Henri. I've I've heard it said that uh, God is the best career development <laughs> coach oh, boy. out there. Yeah, I, yes, I, I'm a, I'm a witness to that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh man. Well, the Lord's not, and he goes, ah, you don't see what I'm doing on the back end. <laughs> That's, and that is exactly right. We have a very myopic view, right? Um, and and it's true. Many times we can't see the forest for the trees, right? We only see what's in front of us. But, you know, um, God has a much, much broader view of who we are, what we are, and what we need. And as long as we focus um, on God and focus on the Holy Spirit um, and, and that still small voice, it will, it will guide us. Mm. And I'm a, I'm a witness to that, that it will, even, even in my um, you know, I've had, if you speak to anyone and they're truthful, no one who has had a straight line career path, mm-hmm. right? Even those who, you know, seem to be, to have it all from a professional standpoint, you know, no one's got a straight line. It's ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And you hope and pray that you have more ups than downs. But the reality is that our faith gets strengthened, not in the ups, but our faith gets strengthened in the downs, Mm -hmm. right? Faith is a muscle. Faith is a muscle that has to be exercised. And if it's not exercised like any other muscle, it will atrophy. And so I, I thank God for my rough patches because those rough patches taught me how to navigate and be thankful for the uptimes. Wow. That was a mic drop right there. All right. Faith is a muscle and it will atrophy if you don't exercise it. My God. Uh, as you were saying that, Omri, um, God is the COO, the chief outcome 
owner. We also right. know that where he's led you uh, today with B Direct, uh, you are uh, here on Earth, the chief operating officer. <laughs> that is correct. At B Direct, and Henri, I remember you had started to tease us out a little bit when you spoke at our CBMC group, but it's just phenomenal work that you all have going on over there. So talk about your role as CEO at B Direct and then just the importance of, uh, I mean, goodness, corporate board preparedness and placement. I have not heard of anyone doing that, certainly on that level with this group of, of people. So talk to us about B Direct. Absolutely. So we are, to our knowledge, we are the first company um, globally that is focused on preparing and placing um, black executives and entrepreneurs on corporate boards on the African continent. The, the reality is that um, when you speak about corporate board work here in the United States, it's, it's a very small group and it's a very closed club. And, and it's, it's, it's almost like you know, getting your first job. You can't get a job without having experience and you can't get experience without having a job, right? And so um, while we support all of the corporate board preparedness programs um, that are here in the United States, and there are several, what we also know is that corporate board placement in the United States is all about your network. If, if you aren't tied into the right networks, you will not get those opportunities. Now, multiply that times um, Black executives and entrepreneurs, because one, many of us are not in the uh, senior level executive positions to even be um, looked at for those roles. And then those that are in those senior executive positions, uh, many of them don't have the network, which is why you'll see um, for people, regardless of their color, you'll see the same people sitting on multiple boards, mm -hmm. right? Because those folks have been vetted and, um, you know, companies tend to be very risk adverse. And so they go back to the same well time after time after time. What B-Direct does is we identify corporate executives at the vice president, the C-suite level, our sweet spot being uh, vice president to senior vice president, who quite frankly are not getting those opportunities here in the United States, as well as um, uh, black entrepreneurs who are you know successfully running multi-million dollar businesses. And we take them through a eight month training program. Hmm. That training program consists of three different aspects. Um, one aspect is uh, corporate governance training but it's corporate governance training from an African-centric perspective. So corporate governance in the United States is a little bit different than corporate governance um, on the African continent. Uh, much of corporate governance in the United States is driven by compliance. So, it, you know, you've got Sarbanes-Oxley, right? You've got SOX compliance. If you are a publicly traded company, you've got the Security and Exchange Commission. Um, if you are a consumer-based company, you've got Federal Trade Commission. So there's a lot of regulatory and compliance things that drive corporate board governance in the United States. While there is compliance in um, on the African continent, most of it 
most of the corporate governance piece is driven by best practices. And it's best practices from Europe, best practices from the United States. But um, while there is compliance, there's a lot of just kind of best practice sharing as well. And so we've partnered with a company based out of Cape Town, South Africa, which is one of the premier corporate uh, governance training companies. They do corporate governance training for both public and private companies. We've partnered with them to provide the corporate governance training piece. In addition to that, and as important, we do what we call our cultural dexterity training. Because the reality is you can't take a Western-trained person, regardless of the amount of melanin in their skin, um, you can't take a Western-trained person, place them on a different continent in a different country and expect them to be successful because they just will not. Yeah. Because culturally, um, Black executives and Black entrepreneurs in America culturally are very different than um, black executives and black entrepreneurs on the African continent. And so we spend as much time talking about how do you navigate culture as we do in terms of teaching technical skill sets regarding uh, corporate governance. And I'll give you this one example and then I'll move on. Um, I, one of my best friends is Nigerian. And I believe I brought this up to your group. One of my best friends is Nigerian. He is uh, 68 years old. He's been in the United States now for 50 years. He came here when he was 18 to go to college. He views himself as, you know, he was born and raised in Nigeria, right? Mm -hmm. He views himself as a Nigerian living in America. When he goes home to Nigeria, he's viewed as an American visiting Nigeria. Mm. Although he was born and raised in Nigeria. Wow. Because of the fact that he has been in the United States now for so long, he is no longer considered Nigerian by the people that he grew up with. Because culturally now, he has culturally assimilated into being an American. And so we go through a great deal of the skill sets training and, and having people understand their own biases, how they approach things. Um, and also talking to them about how do you navigate culture. And, and, and Africa is not a monolith, right? Many times people think and, and talk about Africa as if it is a country versus a continent, right? Africa is a continent that has 55 different countries in it, and each one of those countries have their own culture. And there are subcultures within those cultures, right? So to approach um, Ghana as if it were South Africa, as if it were Kenya, would be to try to approach um, the UK as if it were Spain, as if it were France, right? All of them are considered European, but a Brit considers him or herself very different than a Spaniard, considers him or herself very different than an Italian. And so we spend a huge amount of time, not only on technical skills of corporate governance, but also how do you navigate culture? In addition to that, the third part of that three-legged stool is we have partnered with a company um, based out of um, Johannesburg um, to do executive coaching. So each person going through our program will work on a one-on-one -on -one basis with an executive coach who, by the way, 
not only are they a certified executive coach, but they are a certified executive coach that has domain knowledge regarding corporate governance on the African continent, which is extremely rare. And so it's this three-legged stool that we use to prepare these candidates. Now, while we are taking them through this eight-month program and they meet as a cohort um, once per month for eight months for four hours each, while they are working through this um, eight-month program, we are working on their behalf as a traditional executive search firm. So um, we are working with the U.S. Department of Commerce and their foreign diplomats in these countries. We're working with um, um, private equity firms, venture capitalist firms, public and private companies to help place these executives once they finish the eight-month program. And that also differentiates us from many of the um programs here in the United States where, um, and again, we support them all, but many of them, um, their focus is preparedness, but then it is on up to the candidate in terms of their own personal networking in order to find a, a corporate director role. Whereas we help facilitate that process on behalf of the candidates going through the process. Mm, my goodness such uh such a game changer <laughs> honestly we we think it is so our our primary markets on the african continent are south africa ghana kenya um tanzania and those are our initial primary markets because our founder larry Yan, has been doing business on the african continent now for close to 20 years he's a serial entrepreneur so in addition to be direct he also uh, runs a um, cybersecurity company that does business on the African continent, as well as a call center company that has its operations based out of South Africa. So he is very, um, uh, very well suited in terms of these markets because those are the markets that he also plays in. Our chief transformation officer, who is responsible for driving the cultural dexterity piece of this, and full disclosure also happens to be my brother, um, Andre Ward. So um, in addition to Andre being the chief transformation officer for Be Direct, Andre also runs a global um, consulting company that does leadership training, cultural dexterity training, and diversity and inclusion training. Um, and Andre has actually um, done business um, training on five continents and I think 101 countries, um, including all of the countries that we are currently focused on. Um, he has done training in Ghana, in South Africa, in Kenya, and in Tanzania. And so having that domain knowledge from a cultural perspective, again, helps to um, um, segment the market for us, but also helps differentiate us in terms of the, the programs here in the United States. Mm, phenomenal. Henri, with everything you all are working on, we're coming towards the end of the year. What are you most excited about going into 2024? Um, I'm hugely excited about this current cohort that we have. Um, they are now in 
session three. Um, they started in September. Um, and moving forward to our next cohort, which will begin May or June of 2024. So we are currently in the process of, um, of evaluating candidates for our next um, cohort, which will be class two. And uh, that's really exciting for me. It's being able to talk to folks who are, you know, some of them are current corporate board directors here in the United States. Um, some are aspiring corporate board directors. Some have gone through programs here in the United States. Some have not. But I'm, I'm just really excited about the quality of candidates that we are talking to that are excited about participating in this. And just, just one last thing on this cultural dexterity piece thing. Um, your viewers may have picked up on the fact that I said Black executives and Black entrepreneurs, and I did not say African-American. And that is intentional because if you are a person of Haitian descent, if you are a person of Jamaican descent, if you're a person of Ghanaian or Nigerian descent who happens to be here in the United States, you don't necessarily consider yourself an African-American. You consider yourself perhaps an African in the diaspora or a, a Black American or a Black executive. And so we intentionally use the term black executive and, 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 and black entrepreneur so that it becomes more inclusive to the audience that we are trying to market to. So people don't think, well, you know, I'm a Haitian American. So if they're looking for somebody who falls under the term African American, they probably aren't looking for me. So that, that is again, a part of the nuances, um, that, that we actually look at as well. And so for 2024, uh, 2024 for us, we're looking to be extremely um, positive and we're extremely excited about moving forward with class two, which will begin in the spring. Mm, exciting, exciting stuff. All right, Absolutely. before we get ready to head out, um, what's really, really cool, and you've talked about this throughout the podcast is just, God's inner working uh, in you and through you and navigating the business. And so what would you say was a major faith turning point in your life? It, it could be an older one. It could be a recent one. But what was a, a major faith turning point for you that really solidified uh, you walking in the purpose God has called you to? Yeah, I, I think for me, it was, um, so my last role at Pfizer, I was a general manager, <clears throat> um, $100 million business. And um, I started in that role in January of 2019. In February of 2019, Pfizer um, announced that it was acquiring another company. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> My sense was that, hey, that's great. We're the acquiring company. Um, so that's great for me, right? Um, that means my portfolio is going to get larger. Um, I then found out that it was actually a reverse acquisition. And although Pfizer acquired this other company, the leadership of the other company was going to um, be in control of the, um, of the blended company. 
And so my role nine months later was eliminated. Mm. And in that, I then had to assess for myself, you know, what is it that I'm going to do? Where is it that I'm, you know, where where is my my place in the world, right? And what I have continued to learn, I knew this, but it, it continued to be a lesson for me, is that God continues to be protector and provider. God continues to be the the one that we can rely on when others fail us. And the example that I love to use is the example of the three Hebrew boys who are placed in the fire by um, Nebuchadnezzar. And and, um, Nebuchadnezzar uh, basically throws them into the fire because they are being disobedient to his orders. <laughs> and they are thrown in and they are bound. And the fire, the this oven is opened. And Nebuchadnezzar says, did not we throw three into the fire? His sword, his, um, his guards say, yes, my king. He says, but I see four mm-hmm. unbound, walking around, and one looks like unto the Son of God. What I get from that is many times God will not take us out of the fire Mm -hmm. because there is value in the valley. There is value in being in the fire. Now, what God does do, though, is God steps into the fire with you. Mm. Yeah. So that no hurt, harm, or danger will come to you. And as I love to say, there is nothing like fire walking with God. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen a Polynesian uh, fire walker or, or someone in Hawaii in which they put down a bed of coals and this person walks on that bed of coals. Um, there are times in our lives in which we want God to take us out of the fire, but God says no. Just like with Paul, Paul says three times he asked God to remove this thorn from his flesh. He calls it a messenger from Satan. And then he says three times God says no. And God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness is my strength made perfect. And so for me, from a professional perspective, That's the way I look at all of these transitions is that God is basically saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't worry about what happened at Pfizer. My grace is sufficient for you because when you are weak, that's when I'm at my height of strength, which is when B-Direct was birthed. Mm, My God. Well, Henri, I think that's a perfect way to to end it. How can people learn more about you and be direct? Where can they connect with uh, you or the organization? Absolutely. So you can go to our website, which is www.globalboarddirector.com. That's all one word, global, G-L-O-B-A-L, board, B-O-A-R-D, director, D-I-R. R-E-C-T-O-R 
globalboarddirector.com. Global Board Director is all one word. Um, you can go to our website. Um, please click on the video. It's a three to four minute video that talks all about the business. It was actually filmed in South Africa by our founder, um, Larry Ann. You can also feel free to connect with me directly. It's H-E-N-R-I dot W-A-R-D at Global Board Director. Again, all word, one word, globalboarddirector.com. Also, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just bring up my profile under H-E-N-R-I, last name, Ward, W-A-R-D, and send me a LinkedIn invite, and I will certainly um, accept it. Love it, love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Henri Ward. Uh, Henri, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to give us nuggets of wisdom, share uh, things from your life uh, as God has been working uh, in and three. Thank you so much for coming out on the Fortified Life podcast. Thank you, Jason. Love being here. Indeed. And folks, everything that Henri shared, we'll have it in the show notes. So don't you worry, the website, uh, the email address, we will have that in the show notes so you can reach out and learn more about him and be direct. Well, folks, you know how we end things. Don't compartmentalize your faith in the marketplace. And from the boardroom to the bathroom, God is with you. We'll see you next time on the Fortified Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the Fortified Life Podcast. You can catch us live on Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time and on demand. Check out FortifiedLifePodcast.com for more details. To learn how to live out your faith in the marketplace, grab a copy of Jason Davis's book, Fortified, Being Rooted in God's Plan for Work and Business, available on Amazon. <laughs>